Safer Chemicals Podcast. Sound science on harmful chemicals. Hello and welcome to a special two-part episode of the Safer Chemicals Podcast. Today, we'll be talking not just about chemical safety, but about a topic that touches on many different aspects of the world around us and involves the work of five European Union agencies. That topic is One Health. One Health can be described as an approach to addressing threats to health and well-being that also recognize the interconnection between the health of people, animals, plants and the environment. Now, this episode is hosted by James Ramsey from the European Food Safety Authority, EFSA, and we have guests from five EU agencies who share their perspectives about One Health. One of the guests is ECA's Head of Unit for Hazard Assessment, Wim de Kuhn, who talks about how ECA's work contributes to health and the environment. Let's have a listen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special two-part episode of our podcast We're delighted to have a stellar lineup of guests with us today, all of whom have kindly agreed to share with us their perspectives about One Health. So before we jump into the discussion, I'm going to introduce everyone quickly and ask each of you to explain in a couple of sentences what it is the agency you work for does. So uh, starting with you, Mike, Mike Catchpole, who is the chief scientist at the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control, also known as ECDC. Welcome, Mike, and uh, please tell us what it is that ECDC does. Well, James, thank you for inviting me. Um, So ECDC's mission is to identify and to assess and communicate about infectious disease threats to human health. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Let's move on now to Dario Pizzelli, an expert in environment and health from the European Environment Agency. Welcome, Dario. Please tell us what uh, the European Environment Agency does. The, the the main task of the agency is to uh, provide uh, sound, independent information about the state of European environment. Thank you, Dario. Okay, coming close to home now, um, over to you, Carlos. Carlos Tashnevs uh, is the chief scientist at EFSA. Uh, Carlos, can you explain briefly what EFSA does? So the European Food Safety Authorities core mission is to ensure, to help ensure the safety along the food chain. So for those listening to us, everything from the farm, from the ocean, from where we produce food, all the way to our tables. Very good. Okay, we're going to go to our fourth guest now, Wim, Wim de Cohen, who is the head of hazard assessment at the European Chemicals Agency. Uh, Welcome. And can you tell us briefly what it is that uh, ECHA does? ECHA's mission is to safeguard human health and the environment. And we do that through ensuring the safe use of, of chemicals in Europe. Um, and finally, I'm, I'm really pleased to introduce as well to the call uh, Stefan Theerstrup. Uh, Stefan is the Chief Medical Officer at the European Medicines Agency. Welcome, Stefan. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what the European Medicines Agency does, please? Yeah, thank you for having me here. Uh, The European Medicines Agency is responsible for the uh, scientific evaluation of medicines, both for humans and animals that are brought to the uh, market of of Europe. So um, that is our lineup for today. And what a lineup it is. We have experts from five EU agencies. 
uh, dealing with all different aspects of public health, animal health, environment, and so on. So we, we're very happy to have you guys here today. Let's jump straight into the discussion now. Um, and I'd like to start with you, actually, Carlos. Um, I gave a brief outline at the top of the the top of the show about what One Health is, but I'd like you to to just explain a little bit more detail what we're talking about when we when we say the words One Health and why we should care about One Health. Thank you very much, James. Indeed, this this concept, this approach, it has been on the making for many years. And as you've highlighted in the beginning, this interconnection between animals, humans, the environment, the plants, all these are linked. And, and for those listening, I think you, we can all understand that from the choices we made about what we eat, uh, the way we travel, just to give two common examples, th- it impacts a variety of things. One health is this capacity to to understand that problems are interlinked. Therefore, solutions should also be linked. And for us at EFSA, why is this important? I mean, let's, my colleagues may challenge me. I would say there is no better example than food (laughs) to, to implement One Health because it can transmit diseases, because it impacts our climate, because climate is impact the way we produce foods, because we all need food, animals are food, plants can be food. It's easy to say that what affects one affects all. So by going together, looking at the problem, we like to say holistically, all pieces of the puzzle together, we may have better solutions. And for us, we do this with just four words, which the United Nations is also supporting, by the way. Better cooperation, better collaboration, better capacity building, and with your help, James, better <laughs> communication. Okay, that's great. Thanks. I, mean, I think that really sets the scene. That sets the scene nicely. Um, I'd like to to bring Mike in here um, from ECDC. We maybe focus on a specific example. So, uh, Mike, in your introduction, you mentioned um, you mentioned the concept of antibiotic resistance, um, and this is something that the EU agencies, all of whom represented on this call, uh, you know, it's an issue we take very seriously. We go to great lengths to coordinate efforts to promote the prudent use of antibiotic medicines. Um, can you tell us a bit more about what uh, antibiotic resistance is and and why it's relevant to speak about it in the context of a One Health approach? So antibiotic resistance, to put it most simply and starkly, is the term that we use to describe the situation when the medicines that we use to treat infectious disease no longer work. Um, And if we don't control and prevent antimicrobial resistance, then there's a very real prospect that in the future, uh, we've become difficult to treat many cancers or give life-saving treatments such as kidney transplants just because of the risk of serious untreatable infections. So it's, it's probably the biggest public health hazard we face in terms of infectious disease today. It develops because uh, the bugs, the bacteria, the viruses, other pathogens develop a resistance to one, more or many of the medicines that we use to treat infection through a number of different mechanisms. Um, And although there are many different mechanisms, I think the important thing to note is that actually it's the excessive or inappropriate use of antibiotics, whether used in animals or in humans, that increases the risk that the resistance will develop to those medicines. Now, you asked about is this a One Health issue? Absolutely. Many of the medicines that we use to treat infections in humans are also used in animals. And just as importantly, there are an important group of bugs, which we call zoonoses, um, which can be transmitted between animals and humans. And so if resistance develops as a result of uh, the use of antibiotics in, uh, say, animals, uh, 
and resistance develops in the, those animals, that can be transmitted to humans. And then we're faced with the prospect of infections that are very difficult, if not impossible to treat. So it's absolutely a crucial One Health issue. Okay, so I imagine um, then the, the ECDC and uh, and EFSA would be working together on 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 this issue. Absolutely, uh, and in fact, it's we work very closely. ECDC, EFSA, and the European Medicines Agency, and we've produced over the last few years a series of uh, joint reports. They're called the GIACRA reports, which analyse the relationship between the use of antimicrobials or antibiotics and the resistance of uh, to antibiotics in both humans and animals. And these reports inform and allow us to evaluate uh, policy to control this problem. Uh, and in fact, we've just been uh, producing, we're just about to publish the latest version of that. And it shows some encouraging results, but perhaps I'll, I'll mention those later as we go along. Thanks very much, Mike. Um, so you, you mentioned the European Medicines Agency. That gives me a good excuse to bring Stefan in here. I wanted to ask you about another recent global health uh, crisis where, where your agency, the European Medicines Agency, had a critical role to, to play. And I'm, I'm talking, of course, about the COVID-19 pandemic. EMMA, ECDC, EFSA, I mean, they, they all swung into action from the beginning of the pandemic uh, to provide advice to the European Commission, national governments on how the disease was, uh, was spreading in the EU, risk to animals, humans, um, and of course, in your case, the medicines agency on the safety of the vaccines that were developed to, to combat uh, the disease. So what did we learn from working together as agencies during this very, very challenging period? And would you say we're better placed now to deal with another similar event should it happen in the future? Let me let me take the, the last per question first. I'm definitely confident that we are in a much better place now to uh, face uh, the next pandemic or the next uh, big epidemic uh, reaching us because we we know these things will happen and also talking about climate changes and so forth that the likelihood of, of zoonotic infections creating a pandemic is actually looks like it's increasing. So yes, we learned a lot. Uh, I think also not only learned but we also confirmed that we are good at working together and we're having a good working relationship. We had emergency plans in our, in our cupboards, in our safes and uh, some of them were polished off to, during the uh, swine flu uh, back in 2006 and 2009, and um, they definitely needed updating. And, and of course, there are a lot of lessons learned activities. We recently published a lessons learned paper, and um, we got input to that from, from colleagues around the table here today as well. Um, I think we're definitely in the best, better position to deal with whatever comes uh, down the road. May I also just pick on the AMR discussion because I completely agree what what Mike said. Um, we have another challenge here, in, and that's where we also have a lot of interest working and and guiding industry, because we have we have a gap here. We have no treatment for these resistant bugs. So there's a huge interest in, in developing uh, new medicines to treat resistant bacteria. So uh, that's also a role of the European Medicines Agency to engage with academia and pharma industry in trying to find new solutions for this, for this big health problem. Brilliant, thanks, uh, Stefan. So you've 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 made the link there back to to AMR with, with ECDC. Um, 
I wanted to turn now to you, Wim, at the European Chemicals Agency. We, we've already spoken now um, uh, about One Health from a kind of disease, medicines, food point of view. But one aspect, of course, we should neglect uh, in the One Health uh, story is chemicals. So can you explain um, where ECHA fits in uh, to, to all of this and give us a practical example of how the work you're doing uh, makes this bridge between the health of humans, animals, plants uh, and the environment? Yes, indeed. I think uh, indeed chemicals are really a, a key element in the uh, One Health activities. And um, let's take a, a practical example to continue on the AMR. We're currently contributing to um, the assessment of the uh, azo fungicides uh, to, to, to make a practical example. So basically, uh, these substances are used uh, in various sectors. And here we're contributing together with all the agencies around the table today and the GRC to make a better assessment. Where are they used? Uh, where are they contributing potentially to uh, resistance? So that's a, a practical example, but maybe the recent development this week allow me to bring up a broader example, which uh, is the one um, substance, one assessment principle, which was launched by the commission uh, this week. And that's actually one of the core drivers where ECHA really will play a role and where we'll, we will go in particular with this initiative to a broader assessment, uh, but a single assessment of, of chemicals. And I think there, there's a lot of potential for all the agencies under this umbrella to make sure that uh, instead of having fragmented assessments of substances and chemicals, to do this now in a holistic way, um, in a more consolidated way, so that we have uh, single reliable sources of truths uh, on the chemical, the hazards and the risks so that we can better manage the risks and, and basically move forward to uh, a more sustainable chemicals management. Okay, so the, so the one substance, one assessment approach, uh, I mean, hopefully it leads to better scientific outcomes, as you say, but I, I guess there are also economic savings to make as well. Uh, if you're pooling the resources of uh, of uh, European Union agencies, then at the end of the day, you would hope to see a, a saving for the European taxpayer. Absolutely, absolutely. I think you can you can see this as uh, basically a library organizing its books. I would say I, I, I like to use that image. Like uh, if we're managing chemicals, it's like having one definitive book for each chemical substance in your library, rather than having multiple books with different information scattered across various shelves, etc. So um, it, it allows us indeed to go for economic savings not only at authorities, but also at uh, at the industry side. So hopefully that will bring a lot of benefits in the future. Great. Thanks a lot, uh, Wim. Um, we're going to turn to you now, Dario. Dario Pizzelli from the European Environment Agency. It's obviously vital to consider how humans, animals and plants interact with the ecosystems of which they're a part and how this in turn may affect their health. So the EA, as I understand it, has been leading the way uh, in assessing the impact of environmental factors on human health uh, in Europe and provides, you know, provides us with a lot of knowledge about measures to protect the environment and how this might benefit our health. What, why do you think, um, I mean, how does this, this sort of fit with the One Health approach and why is this important? And maybe, you know, are there some areas as far as the environment is concerned, where we still need to improve and use the One Health perspective? Well, um, the, the environment, I guess, historically was seen as a more neglected aspect of One Health. I think, you know, that this is just by virtue of the history of the concept and how it emerged that it was focusing more, I guess, on the animal-human health interfaces. 
interface, but it, of course, as we are discussing now, this is absolutely no longer the case. And uh, why it matters to bring in the environment you were asking, first of all, it just makes sense from the point of view of economic and societal costs, I would say. A growing body of research shows that if we intervene earlier in those time sequences that may lead to a disease outbreak in, in humans or, or any other health emergency for that matter, we may reduce the incidence of that disease in humans, also the economic costs of, of outbreaks. And, and by intervening earlier, I mean making sure that we monitor for the presence of pathogens or contaminants in the environment or wildlife or disease vectors, um, or even earlier on in the chain, addressing the drivers, the ultimate drivers of pathogen spillovers or, or of human health emergencies. So really looking at how we can prevent the emergence at, at source. Secondly, I think it makes sense because if we focus on the links between environment and health, if we, sh if we illuminate those links, we make an important case for decision makers uh, for protecting nature and climate in the first place. I think you know, uh, there's a lot of evidence that people really respond very much to the argument that um, human health benefits are a great um, excuse for, I would say, protecting the environment, which has a whole sorts of other benefits as well. In terms of the knowledge gaps that you were mentioning, or like, let's say the issues that we need to, 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 to put more focus on, precisely because I guess the environment traditionally was a bit more neglected, there's actually a lot that we need to do to catch up with. We've been talking a lot about antimicrobial resistance, and I think there's a lot of scope for improving the environmental monitoring of antimicrobials, antimicrobial resistance, uh, bugs in the environment. And this is a task that uh, hopefully will come soon to the EA. We're stepping up to do that because it's also part of the proposed revisions of the EU water legislation. And this could bring a lot of value to the existing collaboration between the other agencies that were just mentioned. Um, and there's a lot of other topics as well, of course. I think there's a lot of value in looking at all environment topics from this One Health perspective for the reasons that I was mentioning earlier. James, if I might, it's Mike here. I, I absolutely agree with, with Dario's analysis there and, and just would make the point that actually uh, through the COVID pandemic, uh, the role of wastewater surveillance has been recognised as an increasingly important way of early detecting uh, the presence of uh, pathogens in, in a community. So I, I fully agree that. And also the environment's important. As we see the inexorable change in climate, um, the the environments in which, say, mosquitoes that can spread uh, infectious diseases exist will change. And we need to work, look very carefully at how we can work with our colleagues in the Environment Agency to modify that risk. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I was reading. I was reading the other day. I think about uh, about research that's being done on wastewater at airports across the world, and uh, and how this can give a, an idea of, of how a pandemic or epidemic um, a disease might spread across across the world during a, a situation like the one we had, for example, with with COVID. So, okay, we've talked a bit. Uh, or Dario mentioned there this idea of uh, you know what the agencies can do to working together, and I want to come back to you, Carlos, on that because um, the, the the five agencies uh, that we have on 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 this podcast here today. They're part of a cross-agency task force um, that works to coordinate One Health-related activities uh, in, in the EU. And the five agencies just published a statement, a kind of commitment, expression of, uh, of commitment uh, to support the EU's One Health agenda. So can you tell us a bit more about this? What's the, the long-term objective here? 
I think um, together here, myself and my colleagues, we've highlighted quite a few examples that should help everyone realize that uh, everything is more or less linked, you know? And um, and when I sit here, of course, with my colleagues here in Parma in our office, we look at whether it was the AMR that Mike mentioned, whether it's this waste accumulation of waters, which, by the way, are also part of the food chain. All these examples suddenly make us realize we can't get the job done alone. We, we need to team up. And we see also Europe moving in this vision of looking to these problems, these challenges in this global, this holistic way, you know. And when we talk about sustainability, whether it is of food systems, of health or of the environment, there is a political push. So when the commission is motivated to implement One Health, when the member states across Europe are also saying we want to embody more than one health, the agencies could not stand behind. So we have teamed up in this cross-agency. What would we like to achieve? I mean, we've set ahead of us four big goals, I would say. Number one, to coordinate actually the better the way we, we do one health, even within our own institutions, the way we link our colleagues, the units, the work we do. That's the easiest one, perhaps. Let's be more ambitious. Level two, we all depend of science. We are all producing opinions or policy advices based on the best available science. What if the science we need is not out there? Let's team up and let's talk to the, you know, to the science engines of Europe, to the universities, to the research institutes as one big group of five agencies and tell them, gentlemen, ladies, we need this, 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 and that. Without this science, we cannot do our work. Then number three, we also have a lot of colleagues across these agencies, scientists, um, a few thousand when we put the five together, that would benefit from joint training. Because very often you've heard, Vim, for example, Vim, with the example of chemicals, why should I assess a chemical in food that Mike needs also on a medical uh, drug that uh, Dario will have to evaluate in the environment and that saves someone perhaps also from a disease with Mike. I mean, let's get together and, and do this only one single time. For that, perhaps we should also train the people, you know, one same mentality, if I can say. And last but not least, we would like to be together, closer to the policy advisors and to the member states and to provide perhaps better support. And I'm thinking here, for example, that the European Union has a big desire to expand and to welcome in the Union new member states, member states that have a lot of potential, but which also have some challenges. And you mentioned vector-borne diseases, migration, so many issues that we can all work better with them. Let's go together as a team, you know, a really one health team and not the five of us in different months. I think we could also be more rational, more lean, more economic. And I hope the, the final product will benefit, which at the end is the long term, benefit the consumer, benefit the citizen. That's all the time we have for the first part of our podcast on One Health. The second part will be coming out soon, so stay tuned. If you're interested in the work of any of the five agencies you've heard from today, check out their websites and have a listen to their podcasts. You can find links to those in the episode description. We also have a joint Instagram account called One Health, One Environment EU, where we share more about how the EU is safeguarding health and the environment. Thanks for listening and stay safe. Safer Chemicals Podcast. Sound science on harmful chemicals.